Thank you for listening to this message from Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. You can learn more about our church at nwhills.com. Today, Pastor Josh Karstensen is starting a five-week series on what it looks like to belong to Northwest Hills, where the first ask is to commit to Sunday mornings. It's important because God's goal is to dwell with us, and since the beginning of the Bible, gathering together has been part of being in God's family. After the message, you're invited to spend some time with God to think about how you can best draw near to Him at Northwest Hills. Now, here's today's message. Today, uh, as uh, Carissa just said, we are, we're starting a new series. Uh, our series is called, This is Our Heartbeat. Uh, a friend of mine who's a doctor uh, texted me and he said, uh, it seems like we have an irregular heartbeat. Do we have a problem here at Northwest Hills? And I assure you, like, I appreciate the attention to details, Dane Happeny. Um, and I, I assure you, we have a great heartbeat. Um, we will be fine this year. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Um, but we're going to just talk about, well, what is our heartbeat here? What, what are we about as a church? And every few years, we try to kind of have a, a mini-series that says, here are our primary asks. Um, when it comes to being a part of something, when it comes to belonging to something, uh, it's good to say, well, this is what it looks like to belong. And so we're going to take the next five weeks, and each week we're going to look at one of our primary asks. Uh, today we're going to start with the very first one, uh, committing to Sundays, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, after this series, we're going to be uh, in a five-week series about relationships. We haven't done this in the 10 years that I've been here, or about 11 years, and it'll be a little bit unique, a little bit different. We struggle with relationships right now. I mean, everything that you read says people are really struggling. And so we're going to look at different facets of relationships, whether that's with uh, families, whether that's with marriage. We're going to talk about singleness. We're going to talk about extended families. And we're going to talk about just friendships as a whole, looking at relationships. So then after that, in March, we're going to start a 12-week series through the book of First John, uh, kind of going back and forth. We like to go Old Testament, New Testament, uh, throw a topical one in there a little bit. Um, so we'll be in First John, again, kind of bringing back to our big theme of the year, full sending to make Jesus known. And we're going to kind of lace that theme throughout the study in 1 John, which will take us into summer. So um, before we get into kind of our our first ask for today, I just wanted to start off kind of our year just saying thank you for this last year. Man, I, I think about this last year and I just, I have so much to be thankful for. Um, our team, we were kind of talking over the last couple of weeks, just different things that we feel like God has done and just uh, a heart of thankfulness. And, you know, we recognize that we're in a, a challenging season and there's a lot of complexity to the season. Uh, there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of ideologies that are floating around. And um, it takes a lot of uh, not only collaboration, but cooperation uh, in a season like this to continue to be healthy and strong. And it just seems like uh, we have rallied well together. And so I just want to thank you for that. Um, thank you for continuing to just partner with us and try to do the things that we are trying to do to love Jesus and be a light in our city. Um, thank you for your uh, extreme generosity this last year. Um, we finished out giving really strong in December. I think we're 35000 above uh, kind of our proposed budget for the year. So thank you. That takes a lot of sacrificial generosity on your part. Um, because of that, we were able to do some pretty unique things. I mean, I, I personally got to hand out thousands of dollars uh, of checks to people in need in our church and outside of our church. 
I mean, I literally, I got to hand out checks to single moms. I got to hand out checks to different ministry partners. Um, we gave thousands of dollars in gift cards to our school right next door uh, to meet families in needs as there's a lot of crisis stuff going on. And so um, these types of things happen when we're a generous church. And so I just so appreciate that. And there's nothing more fun to be able to say, there's a group of people who love Jesus who want to bless you. And so thank you for making that possible. Um, yeah. It's going to be a good year. Thank you. So now to our new series. This is our heartbeat. Um, we're starting with the idea. When we, when we talk about our vision, we talk about our mission, we're starting with the, uh, the presupposition that you are trying to follow God. And I, I recognize that not everyone here is in that spot, but I'm, really, I'm not going to make an apologetic for why we believe the most rational explanation um, to the world is to have a God who exists um, but I would, I would just say, if you're not there yet, if you're still wrestling through that, you got to answer that question first. So I'm going to assume some of that. I'm going to assume that you do love God and that you're trying to follow him. But again, if you're not there, um, figure that out. Uh, there, are, there are some great resources. This is a really good book uh, by Timothy Keller in our little book section over there. Uh, the name of it is Escaping Me at the Moment, something to the effect of Making Sense of God. Yeah, that, that's the title. Um, check that out. Talk to someone. Join a community group. There's a lot of good places to figure out uh, who God is and how he exists. But beyond that, so for our church, for those who profess the name of Jesus, what does it look like to belong here? Um, and our first commitment, our first ask that we're talking about is um, to love Jesus, to live like him, to make him known. To love Jesus, our first ask is to commit to Sundays. Now, um, when we were kind of wrestling back and forth with the language of our asks, I went back and forth between commit to Sundays and commit to church. And there's a very clear reason why ultimately I landed on commit to Sundays rather than just to commit to church. Because you can commit to church. A lot of people might say, I belong to said given church. And maybe not necessarily have it a top priority to be at that church every week. Um, but to commit to Sundays necessitates that you have already committed to a church and that you would make it a regular priority in your life to be at that church as often as possible on Sundays. And so we really wanted to say Sunday mornings are a priority. And the beauty is we came up with this uh, kind of new language in August of 19. And I don't think it's a mistake that the very first ask that we came up with uh, that we felt like God was leading us towards was commit to Sundays in a season where that would be more challenging than ever. I think it's beautiful how God kind of came before us and said, hey, it's really important that we do commit to Sundays. And so we're going to talk about this morning. Why commit to Sundays? What is it all about? Why is this gathering so important? And what happens here that's very unique that doesn't happen when we're following the Lord on our own um, through our own study, through kind of our own endeavors to try to be followers of Jesus? Before we get into um, a text, though, I do, I do feel like it's right and proper to say this. Um, in our message today, and I want to probably talk more to people online right now, um, this is in no means a jab at you to say, like, you really need to be here. Um, we recognize the complexities of COVID. Uh, we recognize that many of you may feel like there is a legitimate health threat to you being here in this place. And I want to give you that freedom. If that's you... Like, continue to do what you need to do to feel safe and to be healthy, right? We recognize that. So thank you for committing to being with us regularly online. I, I'm still surprised uh, 
I guess I should say, pleasantly surprised at how many people are regularly committing to being with us online. From the best of what we can gather, we have almost an entire other service worth of people gathering every single week online. And so we are going to talk about this assembly. Um, eventually, you do need to be here. It's good for your soul. Um, but my, uh, my speaking today is not primarily a response to some of you not being with us in the room. So just making sure you have that crystal clear. You can delete any emails right now that you're wanting to send me about the importance of gathering on Sunday. All that being said, let's go Hebrews chapter 10. Um, We'll be in Hebrews 10 verse 19. Grab a Bible if you have one. um, And if not, there's one in front of you. And then we're going to stand and we're going to read this together. So if you got it, let's go ahead and stand. Looking at the importance of this gathering. And just a friendly reminder, sometimes I say I'll be a little bit shorter. Today we might be a little bit longer. So, three happy voices, some nervous chuckles, we'll be all right. Starting in verse 19 of Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You can grab a seat. We see immediately in verse 19, um, the word therefore. Uh, This therefore is is, uh, summarizing verses 1 through 18. Uh, But the the author of Hebrews summarizes this in the next few words. He says, therefore, and then he summarizes, he says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near. Now, I recognize what we just read. There's a lot of language that's very tricky. It's complicated. So I'm going to do my best to make this as simple as possible, yet kind of walking through the history of what's happening here and, and why this text is so important and what it means to our Sunday morning gatherings. So to make it uh, kind of a, a simple analogy, it's, it's as if the, uh, the author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus gives us this golden ticket. I'm going to talk about what this ticket is. Uh, he gives us this ticket, and the author is saying, you need to use this ticket. And, and this ticket is, is an entrance fee to be in the presence of God, to dwell with God. And there's a beautiful invitation that you get with this ticket. And the, the author of Hebrews is saying, now's the time to use it, to draw near to God. So what is that all about? When God created humanity, he created us with one primary goal in mind, and that is to dwell with us. Right, this is language that we talk about a lot here, that God wants to be with us. And we see this in early creation. Uh, when God creates Adam and Eve, the primary um, relationship is marked by being with each other. 
Um, we see this uh, in the first two chapters. God is with them. They dwell together. And there's this beautiful relationship that is uh, unseparated as God is with Adam and Eve. But we know that as sin entered the world in Genesis 3, this dwelling, this um, togetherness was broken. Primarily because of sin. And God cannot be around what is wrong. He cannot be around what is evil. And so there's a separation between us and God. And so God says, okay, i got to figure out how I can still dwell with them uh, to be their God and they can be my people. And so he creates this whole system primarily through Moses where um, eventually he dwells with them but through um, a tabernacle or through a tent. And so God's special presence, his, his spirit is dwelling with his people through a tent and people regularly gather to be near that tent. And then later on, they build a big temple, a permanent building. And in this building, there is a room and this room has a giant curtain. And behind the curtain, God's special presence is and people would regularly gather to be around that presence. Right? But we know that when they gathered to be near that presence, whether it was the tabernacle, whether it was the temple, that the people had to offer a sacrifice, that they had to kill an animal. And the primary reason to do that was um, as a symbol to take on uh, essentially the wrath of God because of the sin that separated us. And so this was a regular th thing that happened for years, for, for centuries, or for hundreds of years. Um, and ultimately, the, this practice was something that the people, um, after a while, got used to gathering near God but eventually kind of forgot about the God that they were gathering to be near. And they would just go through the motions. So they would uh, gather to be near this room. They would uh, sacrifice an animal. But ultimately, they kind of forgot the God behind it all. And eventually, God uh, in Ezekiel chapter 10 leaves and says, I've, I've had enough. Like, I'm, I've had enough of your gatherings. I, I know that your heart is not for me. You're just into it for the gathering. Right? You, you like the music. You like the coffee, you like the people, you like the lights, you like the small groups, but I'm nowhere to be found in your gathering, and so God leaves. And then a few hundred years later, 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes ultimately to dwell with people again. So God comes as Jesus, and uh, the unique, beautiful thing here is that um, we get to see him face to face, but he is only one body, so he cannot be everywhere. We can't all dwell with Jesus at once. And there's still the problem of sin. There's still the problem that there needs to be some sort of sacrifice for us to dwell with him. And ultimately, if you know the, the Christian faith, we know that that's why Jesus dies. He is killed as the ultimate sacrifice. We no longer have to sacrifice animals. And we can be with him in his presence. We can dwell with him. But because he's only one place at one time... Jesus says, I'm going to leave and my helper is going to come who will do far greater things than me. And ultimately, those far greater things have to do with the fact that he can be in multiple places at once. And so when Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit comes and now God dwells with us in the hearts of men through his Holy Spirit. And the invitation is to continue this gathering. And this gathering is, is God's presence in us with each other in a regular gathering while looking forward to, as Hebrews says, the day that is to come, right? And that day, we see this in Revelation chapter 21, the day that is to come, or uh, as it says in verse 25, to see the day drawing near, listen to what the day that we're looking forward to. This is Revelation 21. John, the human author, says these words. 
He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. The final end game in all of this is to return back to Eden. The final end game is to go back to creation as God once created it, where we will dwell with God with nothing that separates us. And we, in the meantime, gather as God's people the embodiment of God's kingdom on earth in a weekly gathering exactly like this right now. And the author of Hebrews says when this happens, a few things happen. Namely, we gather to love one another, to encourage one another, and to spur one another on to good works. And so I'm going to give you eight different reasons why this gathering is one that does those three things. Why this gathering is one that uh, is all about love, it's all about encouragement, and is all about encouraging for good work. So I've got eight points here. Um, Some are quicker than others. We'll start out with a little bit of a longer point. Point number one, our gathering aligns us theologically. All right, so if you're someone who likes to write out notes, I'll give you a nice, simple point. Our gathering aligns us theologically. Every Sunday morning, we come and we open up God's Word. It is one of the primary things that we do. And out of a response of God's Word, we understand who God is, we learn about who God is, and then we respond. Right? We respond in worship through singing. Uh, we respond in prayer. We respond in how we ought to live our lives for the rest of the week. Right? So we come and we say, God, who are you? Teach us about yourself. And then I'm going to align my life with what I learned about who you are, about your nature and about your character. So this is not primarily a TED Talk. Right? This is not primarily just me getting up here saying, hey, I've got an awesome life. You should try to be like me. This is me opening up God's word saying, this is who God is. And this is how he instructs us to live. And this habit, this pattern, has been a pattern that has been around for a little over 3,000 years. And it starts in Exodus chapter 24 with this invitation for a regular gathering. In Exodus 24, verse 7, listen to these words. Uh, This is after God spoke to Moses at Sinai. It says, Then he took the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. This is theological alignment. This is Moses opening up God's word, reading it to the people, the people responding, saying, thank you, God, for your word. You've shown us who you are. Now we will go and we will live this way. Uh, We see this continued um, picture of a people gathering, hearing God's word, and responding. We see this in Deuteronomy 31. A little bit different context. This is not a weekly gathering here, but this is kind of a a every few-year gathering. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 11. When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men and women and little ones, the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. 
This same habit continues in Joshua chapter 8 and 2 Kings 23 and Nehemiah 8. It's a regular command that God gives, gather to open up my word, to read it out loud, that we would then follow the instructions of God to us. And Jesus continues this. We see this in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, this is Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Later, we see this instruction uh, multiple times in the New Testament. We see it in Colossians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, and 1 Timothy 4. Chapter, th- or chapter 4, verse 13, uh, Paul commands Timothy, and he says this. He says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. So again, we gather every week to put ourselves under God's authority to say, God, teach us who you are. You know, it's something that we do on our own at home, certainly, but there's something beautiful to the corporate gathering that aligns us to who God is and listen to what has happened uh, for a few thousand years in response to this. This is Justin Martyr. He's writing in the second century about this gathering. He says this, this is uh, an excerpt from his first apology. He says, on the day called Sunday, all who live in the cities or in the country gather together in one place. And the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. I'm going to read that little section one more time. As long as time permits. That's supposed to be funny. Sorry. (laughs) I'll just keep going. Then when the reader has ceased, the president verbally instructs and exhorts to the imitation of those good things. Then we all rise together and we pray. Again, this is a practice that has happened for thousands of years. Uh, This is something that God commands us to do. uh, And through it, there's a beautiful uniting of um, humanity and God together as God dwells in us. Number two, um, our gathering aligns us missionally. Our church cannot do everything. Um, It's something that kind of drives me crazy sometimes because I'm I'm a type of guy who generally wants more of everything. Um, we cannot plant every church, right? We cannot feed all the hungry. Um, we cannot house all the homeless. We cannot train all the future ministry leaders. We cannot um, support every single person who needs help in the city. We just can't. We cannot do everything. We say no to hundreds of things so that we can do a few things well. And when we gather as a people, we say yes to certain things and we align ourselves missionally together. Right? Um, we can work in concert with a bunch of other churches in our city, which we do. Um, and, and even then we can't do everything, which is why it's beautiful that God gives a bunch of different expressions through different churches. But we recognize that when we gather, it's a starting point to say, let's do a few things well. Right? Let's be a church that's committed to the spiritual disciplines. Let's be a church that's committed to having a women's day, that's committed to doing a men's retreat. Let's be a church that's committed to rallying around a few things well that we can be a part of what God's asking us to do. And we can be a small part in his greater kingdom. And this gathering aligns those things together. Number three, our gathering breaks barriers. Uh, This is one of the most beautiful things about this gathering that you do not get anywhere else in the world. Our gathering breaks racial barriers. 
It breaks male and female gender barriers. It breaks socioeconomic barriers. It breaks intellectual barriers. It breaks ideological barriers. It breaks um, economic barriers. It breaks age barriers. Show me a group of people anywhere in the world that breaks barriers like the church does. You won't find a close second. The beautiful thing about the church is that it is the only place where everyone is equal. And it's beautiful. You think about how Jesus talks to different folks in different categories, right? He says, to those of you who are rich in this present world, consider yourself poor. To those who are poor, consider yourself rich. To those of you who are wise, consider yourself to be foolish. For those of you who are foolish, consider yourself wise. To those who have much, um, uh, much will be expected. He talks about the last. They will be first. The first will be last. In the kingdom of God, this gathering of people, everyone is welcome. Um, we think about uh, Galatians chapter 3. There is neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. Our world wants this. Right? Our, our world keeps talking about like, how we can be unified. Like This is the ultimate equity. right? I mean, this gathering really is. Because I'm not more important than any person who's cleaning up babies' diapers right now. In the kingdom of God, we are all exactly equal. And this gathering of people is this beautiful display that says, everyone is welcome. It's a pretty unique, beautiful display, again, of God's kingdom. Because this is his kingdom on earth, and his kingdom says, you are all equal. Number four, our gathering reminds us of our place under God. There's something unique about physically making the effort to be here every week. Uh, And when we do that, it it trains our mind and it trains our souls and it trains our bodies that there is someone above me that I subscribe my life to and that I put myself under. Um, We see this regularly happening all the way back to Cain and Abel, um, all the way back to every time God's people met. They came, first of all, with a sacrifice, right? When Cain and Abel met, they brought their first fruits. Uh, In Deuteronomy 16, 16, Moses is speaking to the people and he says, when you come to the Lord, do not come empty handed, bring something. Uh, Every single time that God's people gathered with him uh, to dwell near him, whether it was the tabernacle, whether it was the temple, they always had to sacrifice something. This gathering is a sacrifice, right? You know how many great things there could be, you could be doing this morning, right? I mean, Mary's Peak's got a lot of snow on it. How many of us don't want to be snowshoeing right now? Right? I mean, how many mountain passes are just epic powder right now that you could just be enjoying slopes? Right? If you're watching this on a Tuesday because you went skiing today, you deal with your conscience. Um, Coming to church on Sunday is costly. But it costs us something and it reminds us that there is someone above me. And the The ask, the command, is to not sacrifice this gathering. So I want to speak for just a quick second to parents. And and I think this is one of the biggest tragedies of COVID. We have, not, not necessarily we, us certainly, but every other pastor and everything you read, young families right now have been hit the hardest through COVID in terms of coming back to church. Parents, I beg you, your kids will pick up on what is a priority in your life. I beg you. Like, if it is sports, if it is travel, if it is leisure, if it is, I can come to church every five, six, seven weeks. Like, your kids will pick up on what is priority in your life. This gathering, Jesus says, do not forsake. Our gathering reminds us of our place under God. Number five, gathering builds affection for God 
and for each other. It's literally built into Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And this happens when we gather. You cannot love someone well if you never see them. Right? It's just simple. Like I, it's something that I, I missed greatly when we weren't gathering as regularly. It's just these simple, like, 30-second conversations. How are you doing? Oh, oh, I haven't seen you in five years. You're back. Welcome. How cool is that? Like, that stirs love and affection. That's just like, oh, I belong here. I, I have a place. And, and it's just the gathering of, of our people together where these things happen. The physical gathering stirs this love and affection for each other. Number six, the weekly gathering is an earthly advertisement for life with God. Right? I, I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine, um, she was walking into church and she saw uh, her department head um, was a greeter. He was a, an usher at the time. And, and she immediately told me afterwards, she's like, I knew this was my church because I saw someone who I, I respected outside of the church setting. And if this person was a part of your church, then you guys must be doing something all right because I love this person. And so when we gather and people see you and they see us in the community, it, we are advertisements and people see that. Not only that, but um, when people come who are trying to check out faith for the first time and they see this gathering right now, maybe this is you today and you're trying to figure out, do I believe this? When you see this gathering, it is a beautiful advertisement for what God's kingdom is like, right? You get a small heaven on earth piece where, man, we're all for each other here. Right? We're all trying to figure out life, but we're all for each other. We're all trying to do our best to be a family here. And that's what God's kingdom is all about. And this gathering is a display of that. Right? And so when you kind of just casually decide, well, I'm going to kind of catch church on a Tuesday evening and when I'm going on a hike, like, people miss out on seeing you being a part of this. Your presence, your actual presence here is an encouragement to other people. When you're a young person, you walk in, you see an older person, you go, man, this person's been committed for a long time. That's encouraging. When you're an older person, you see a young person who's coming to faith. Like, that is encouraging. Our presence encourages one another. Lastly, and we'll end on this, the weekly gathering can be an idol if we're not careful. You go back to Numbers 21, and we talked about this in our study in, uh, in John. Um, in Numbers 21, you've got this really unique situation where um, God's people have been brought out of slavery under Moses, and uh, a number of people are kind of complaining. They're frustrated. God, life was better back in Egypt. Um, we had consistency there. Where are you? And God, in response, the text says, brought fiery serpents, uh, essentially poisonous snakes, and people start getting bit, and the text says many people were bit, and the text says many people died. And the people start crying out to God, God, would you do something about this? And uh, we talked about kind of the interesting fact that God does something about it, but what he doesn't do is he doesn't take the snakes away, but he commands Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to, to cast a bronze snake and I want you to put it on a stick. And when people have been bitten by the snake, they're going to look at this stick. And when they look at it and believe in my power, they will be healed. And this happened. And many people who were bitten looked at this stick. They looked at the snake on it and they were healed and they worshiped God because of it. But a few generations later, something happened. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, we read this. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces 
the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. What was once a symbol that was used to show God's power became something that people worshipped. And ultimately, people said, God, I don't need you. I want the symbol of you. And I think if we're not careful, this gathering can be a symbol. It can be a symbol that we love because, yeah, we've got friends here and it's fun and Man, I I feel welcomed, and I like the music, and I like the coffee, and I like the gathering. But we got to remember behind all of the efforts is the whole reason why we gather, and that's to be with God, and that's to dwell with Him, and that's ultimately to worship Him. And so our last and final point is we gather to worship God, right? That That is why we gather. We gather to be with Him and to worship Him. And I often, I've thought the last two years with COVID, sometimes I, I think, and I, I could be wrong on this, I'm, I'm wrong on a lot of things, but I often think like, I wonder if, if, God, if God was actually responsible for taking away our gatherings, almost as a test to see like, who's going to come back? Who, who really longs to be with me? Who longs to be with their people? I, I almost wonder if it wasn't just, you know, obviously I think Satan would love the fact that the church was absolutely disturbed. But I almost wonder if God was saying, hey, let's, let's test people. Let's see. Let's see if this is just an act that they go through because it's, it's kind of in their routine. And let's really see where their hearts are. Are they gathering every week because of me? And I think it's a good thing for us to check our hearts this year as we commit to gathering every week. Why am I waking up early on a Sunday? Why am I committing to being here, even though there's many other things that I could be doing, is the primary reason that I'm gathering because God has instructed me to and because I can be with him and I can worship him because he is God. And I can look forward to that day that Revelation 21 says where heaven and earth ultimately will collide and we will be with God. We're going to wrap it up in prayer and then we're going to respond just like Justin Martyr told, said that they did in the second century, just like God commanded Moses to do. And we're going to say, God, thank you for dwelling with us. Thank you that you've given us an expression of your kingdom on earth through a bunch of people. And God, we want to be a people who commit to this gathering. Father God, I I thank you for this gathering that is your church. And God, we know that um, there is so many beautiful things that happen when we gather. Namely, we stir one another up to love. We stir one another up to be encouraged. And God, we leave here empowered and encouraged and inspired for good works. God, I pray that we would be a church family who obeys you, that we would be a church family who lives out the embodiment of your church, of your kingdom on earth. God, I thank you that we get to be this really unique embassy here on earth, and that when we gather on Sundays every week, we put ourselves under you and we say, God, my life is yours. I am willing to sacrifice a few hours of the week so that I can open up your word with brothers and sisters, with people who are like me, with people who are very different from me, and together we can say, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, thank you for your life and taking away the barrier that was between me and you. And God, now we can dwell with you, and we look forward to the day that we can dwell with you face to face. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's teaching from Northwest Hills Community Church. We hope you find ways to apply the gospel to your life. And be sure to check out our website, nwhills.com, 
where you'll find ways to engage, including resources like our application questions. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.